Welcome back to another episode of Talking Points. <laughs> Thank you so much to everyone who's listening on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is. And uh, yeah, a bit of a strange start uh, to this video. But Tomo, as always, I'm joined by Tomo. What What is going on here? Minton couldn't help but give his insight into the Qatar Grand Prix because he really, didn't you? He really enjoyed it. So he wants to have his say. Bless him. He was so excited about the Alonso podium. I mean, he, <laughs> he just had to be in this video. But yeah, Tommy, what are we what are we talking about today? Yeah, obviously this weekend inaugural first inaugural means first, isn't it? Qatar yeah. Grand Prix um, of all time in Formula One, and did it deliver? I guess. I mean, expectations were you know we know it's a good motorbike track. Um, for me, pretty good race. I actually think yeah, because there was a bit of skepticism going on in terms of looking at the track. I think quite a lot of people thought that. It's great to have that one kilometer straight, but the rest of the track mm. looked a little bit hard to follow. And actually, whilst I don't think it was a classic, although I think we have to remember that we've had so many like bangers this year that mm. not all races are going to be amazing. I thought it was, I thought it was good enough to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a decent. We've been sport this year. Yeah, but obviously, you know, the race had a lot of battles in the midfield. Like you said, we were worried it was going to be difficult to overtake. But actually, yes, it was only really into turn one, which was a bit of a shame. Um, we saw, we only saw like. Yeah, I think what Perez overtook Leclerc kind of in the middle of the track. I think that was pretty much the only one. And there was a massive pace, a different differentiator factor in there. Um, but yeah, overall, I was pretty happy with LaSalle. And you know what? It's going to, we might not actually see it, that track with the 2022 cars. Because of course, we're not going there next year. And then 2023 been suggested it's probably going to be a street circuit in Qatar instead. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. They've signed kind of this 10-year deal with Qatar, mm. but we're going here basically this year was just for commercial reasons, you know, mm. to get Formula 1 like on the ground in Qatar. But yeah, next year we're going to take a year out of Qatar and then we're going to come back for, again, that 10-year deal. But actually, let's quickly begin. Before we do talk about the race and get into it, what about qualifying? Because... I mean, again, we go into every single race now not knowing who's going to be quickest. There's always talk. I mean, it's going to be Red Bull, it's going to be Mercedes, you know, engines and a bunch of FIA investigations. All of that was kicking off, but it was Mercedes who had the advantage and Lewis on pole position by a pretty hefty margin. Almost, I think, half a second, the biggest gap in the dry yeah. all season long. I mean, the pendulum has shifted a lot this year. We would, you know, you think back to Austria when Max won both those races and, you know, for a lot of people it was like, it's championship done, Red Bull. So we'd smashed it, um, lost a bit of momentum. Now Mercedes seem to have, you know, improved their car somewhat, um, whether it's just the engine, whether there's other things going on. I'm sure we'll get onto that because there's a lot of conspiracy <laughs> theories knocking about um, from the team principals. And yeah, look, I, I think, you know, Lewis absolutely nailed that lap um, and Max couldn't really get close. Obviously one lap pace isn't the same as race pace. So I was still kind of hopeful um, that we'd see a bit more of a challenge because it would have been nice to see Max line up alongside Lewis. But of course, that didn't happen. How does did it? Yes. And even more controversy, even more. I mean, it's, I'm actually getting a bit tired of stewards, investigations, waiting for the day after, not knowing what's coming because it was a bit of a mess at the end of qualifying. How did you, because... Obviously, there was kind of this big drama in terms of like the flags and then also the lights. And then there's a bunch of, you know, screenshots of like the green, the green light, which is actually in the in the pit lane. There was a lot of confusion, both from the fans and also from the teams as well. So, I mean, how did you read all of that? Because it definitely made the race more exciting because it kind of put Bottas and Max a little bit further back. It gave us mm -hmm. Pierre Gasly uh, alongside Lewis Hamilton. Kind of the first, uh, that was the first time that uh, front row has ever been in Formula One. So how, what did you think about all of that? Because as much as I understand the penalties, I do think that there was something that wasn't right in terms of... The, yeah. It was like yellow, green, yellow, green when Gasly was clearly on the side of the of the track and there was just so much confusion. That's what I mean. I, I, I think there is enough, there was enough kind of, look, there was inconsistency. You had the yellow flags, but then you had the green on the dash. The DRS, I believe, was still, it had been it was, it was on. It's yeah, it was on. on. So for me, there is enough. And again, when you're thinking the drivers coming through the final corner on a Q3 quick lap um, to try and improve their lap time to set pole position, like I think there's enough there like it was ultimately these if they're going to get flags out if they're going to have green lights or yellow lights coming up it needs to be consistent of course that's that's the point and i think there is enough i think it was harsh on both valtteri and max personally um to be penalized for the well <laughs> to quote christian horner the incompetence of the fi but you know what like in terms of i'm not i'm not saying there was in incompetence but it was a mistake you know, it, it'd be like in football, you know, giving a yellow, but then, you know, 
it's like three yellow cards and you don't get sent off. I don't know. You know I what mean, I mean? Like, it, <sighs> like, like everything needs to, and I think there's enough, like, for both Valtteri and, and Max to be like, look, we were getting mixed messages. I'm on a quick, like, final corner. Like, it's not really, I don't think it was there for, I, th- I thought the pit penalties were harsh, personally. What about you? I mean, I, I kind of disagree because I understand that there was ambiguity and a bit of uncertainty mm-hmm. in some of the procedures that were happening, but... I still think, I mean, a car on the side of the track, you're, you're literally going by it very quickly on the main straight when you're finishing your lap. There, there was a yellow flag out. So for me, I understand the penalties and I do actually agree with both of them. But I, I think that there's there's still something that needs to be looked at. And I feel there's definitely a wider conversation, I feel like, about the FIA and everything that has gone on. Because mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of this. There's, there's been a lot of frustration from a lot of the fans, including me, with some of the things that have happened. But anyway, all of that kind of gave us the grid that we had. And then obviously... I mean, we didn't know what to expect from the race. And right from the beginning, we had, I think, I mean, my attention was on Max and Bottas. I don't know about you, because... Not on Fernando. Not on Fernando. I knew he was going to come through, mate. No, I wasn't even sweating, mate. No, no <laughs> doubt about it. <laughs> no, but to be fair, what did you think about, I mean, Max going from, what was it, P6 up to like P3 or P7 something? P7. to Yeah, P7. I mean, he started P7, didn't he? He got a fantastic start. And it's one of them where, obviously, that first corner at La Salle is quite unique i think because it's very high speed still for a for for a first corner um but it's also low speed enough that you still have to get on the brakes pretty significantly um but you could really see like he positioned his car absolutely perfectly got a perfect launch put his car on the inside you could see and i know um uh i can't remember he was talking about afterwards i think it might have been kroon chandok and he was saying about how like lewis is really good at kind of not you know not allowing the dirty air to uh, to, you know, to position your car in a way that the, the dirty air doesn't affect your downforce, and you can see yeah. Max was on the inside. Everyone else, like Alonso, Gasly, Hamilton, all quite of washed a bit out wide, and he just drove through like he was on rails. And I mean, he could have been up even higher if it wasn't for Fernando almost absolutely literally steaming yeah. into. I him. saw that like pop, like there was like a pop of dust, and I yeah, was like, oh, yeah. that's a bit of spicy. That it? was sketchy, but yeah, absolutely. Like in terms of g- given the context, Max was he he, he didn't really. You know, put a foot wrong. He had a fantastic start, got quickly, quickly took those places and put himself in a position where, you know, once he did get into P2, he was only about four seconds off of Lewis, um, which he did need to do to give himself a chance. I know he didn't win the race, but I I think Max was fantastic off the start. I thought it was quality. Yeah. And I feel like this was one of those, I mean, Max Verstappen, he's just amazing, isn't he? Because even though perhaps the win wasn't on the cards, I mean, that P2 kind of getting the fastest lap away from mm-hmm. Lewis as well at the end, I mean, that was just the perfect kind of recovery drive in the end. I mean, he kind of, he he basically said he didn't see the yellow flag, so it was a fair cop, but he bounced back from it so well. And someone who didn't was Valtteri Bottas because his start was absolutely shocking. And when you think about the fact that he started ahead of Max, this close title battle, the, the Mercedes had a lot of pace he should have done a better job. Yeah, I, I know he was on the dirty side of the track, but at the end of the day, I mean, you look at, you know, it wasn't like every single driver who started on that side of the track had a bad start, not at all. I mean, Gasly had a pretty good start. You know, he started on that side of the track and he had to, you know, sit stationary for longer than Valtteri did. Um, yeah, look, drivers had, ba- had bad starts and it was a poorly timed bad start for, for Bottas because Mercedes would have definitely wanted him to do the job at the start of trying to keep Max behind. Um, and yeah, he just, it was a bad start. And then he kind of, he had cars either side of him, which is always difficult when you've, you know, you feel like you might get pincered and then he kind of dropped the rear end a bit. Then he going into that turn one and then ended up falling. He, he lost about three positions, didn't he? I think, yeah, he fell behind. I think it was in P11. Now he's behind mind, Stroll. He's behind Stroll. I mean, unbelievable. Stroll. Can you believe it? Maiden's Shocking. But I think it was just, I mean, we've seen this from Valtteri before. It kind of... It, when he's in these wheel-to-wheel situations, especially very high pressure like at the start and he needs to get the moves done, it kind of exposes his weakness in the sense that it even took him a long time to really come through the field. Like he was yeah. still behind Lance Stroll on like lap 11, lap 12. Like yeah. that should not have been happening. It was, he took a bit of time to settle in, didn't he? And once, once he did, like he, you know, once he got a bit of clean air, he was lapping, I think pretty close to what Lewis and Max were. Um, but it, it took far too long. You know, you got Toto on the radio giving him the hurry up as well, yeah. um, which, you know, like, I am I, I don't want to sit here and just dunk on Valtteri because I feel like we've done that a lot. But ultimately, you have to call these performances as you see him. And, you know, yes, he was unfortunate the way the race ended for, for him. And once he did make progress, it was good. But he had a bad start. He lost a lot of positions. 
oh, just it, like you can have a bad start but still maintain position and he just positioned his car in the best way possible um you know lost it a little bit and yeah it wasn't it wasn't the support drive that mercedes would have wanted and you know constructors wise obviously again it wasn't his fault that his tire went necessarily but only like five points in it. It's even it's it's a closer constructors battle than the the drivers title battle, and that's what the teams really care about. So. And I think it is going to come down to those number two drivers because you look at Sergio Perez. He did not have a great qualifying. Got knocked down Q two. That's not what we really want to be seeing, especially after no. he had such a really kind of good run of races. Mm. But he came back very quickly. Like Sergio Perez yeah. did the job. He was able to overtake, and I feel like this constructors battle really is going to come down. More to the number two drivers than Max and Lewis, in my mm. opinion, because it's about which of them are going to get on the, kind of that third place podium. Well, I'll tell you what, like, I mean, again, I, I think, you know, we, we've all been critical of, of Sergio's qualifying performances over the course of the year. The averages are still not that great. They're not yeah. that far off of what um, uh, Gasly and Albon were doing. But in the races, he's doing such a good job. This is now he's got in the so he's got two P4s last two races and then he had three P3s in a row. And like, you got to think Brazil probably would have been a P3 if it wasn't for Bottas. Um, the VSC. VSC. Yeah. And then this would have been a P3 probably, maybe, from Fernando, if it wasn't for a VSC as well. So you've got to say, like, Perez has put in five performances, five P3 performances in a row, which is exactly what Red Bull needed. And you know what, like, I think Perez has done a quality job. He overtook, I mean, Red Bull didn't make it easy for him on the two-stop. Yeah. Um, he. I don't know how many overtakes he made. I mean, I, I can't believe he's not even in the top three of that overtakes of the, I know, I know. It's of, crazy. of the season leaderboard. But yeah, you're right. Like Sergio was just on it straight away. He put his poor qualifying behind him, started on the medium. So that did help out as well. Um, smashed it. Do you think they could have made, because in the end, and we're going to talk about Fernando in just a little bit. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> Do you I think can't believe you're not wearing the shirt. I know, I know. I thought I, can't I, believe it. I thought I'd keep it a little bit low-key, but I'm going to save it for when he wins the World Championship next year. But okay, fair enough. Yeah, just saying <laughs> that. Um, but do you think they could have made the one-stop work? Because it was very close. They pitted him very late for his second stop. Like, you've mm. got to give your driver, I think, a little bit more time to actually do the overtaking. And they do have, in my opinion, the best driver on tyres, the best, like, tyre, you know, consolations yeah. on the, on oh, the yeah. grid. Yeah, he's known for that, isn't it? I mean, because when Perez pitted the second time, Bottas's tyre had already fouled, right? I think so, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's one of them where they knew Bottas was out of the race. Okay, if we pit Sergio, he should be able to get to P3. Um, bear in mind any, like, safety car or VSC. Because obviously, if it, was a, if it was a safety car for Latifi, that would have, like, for the same amount of time, that would have helped Perez out because then he'd have been right on Alonso's chuff. But it was a VSC, which just keeps the gap the same it kind of pauses the race doesn't yeah, it yeah it was it was a risky one for me i think they could have you know it's, again it's risk but it's risk versus reward i don't think the say, risk was worth it personally that's fair enough to me i felt like they kind of dropped the podium in my opinion now i was again i, I was happy about that because that meant fernando was able to just hold on to it but let's talk about old fernando alonso because oh, yes. i mean let's talk about the entire weekend because to me this wasn't just a all of the leaders were crashed out. It was a crazy race. It was kind of a Monza 2020 or something, or maybe, mm. you know, a hungry uh, 2021. This was a quality weekend from qualifying to the race to the first lap as well, because if he didn't overtake, uh, if he didn't overtake uh, Pierre Gasly, what a move, by the way, that was. That was brilliant. Like so much bravery so around the outside. So good. If he didn't overtake Pierre Gasly, I mean, he only finished three seconds ahead of Sergio Perez. Like that was critical. So mm. it was the entire performance and it's been coming, I think. He's been on such a good run of just good performances, but the luck hasn't quite been there because mm. when you're in the midfield, when you're, a, you know, when you're a Gasly or a Sebastian Vettel or an Ocon, you need a bit of luck to mm. actually get, you know, on the podium. Sure but yeah, yeah. And it didn't quite work out. I think in Russia, he was quite close, but mm. then the rain came. But this was a race where, all, you know, everything just fell into place. And he did. I mean, what a race he had, by the way. He smashed it, didn't he? I mean, that's the thing with, you know, the Mercedes and the Red Bulls on pace were clear that you saw the way that Perez moved through the field. You saw the way that Bottas, once he settled into the race, moved through the field. So like you say, you, you have to rely on that. Obviously, Bottas with his tyre failure. Perez, you know, I, I think it was a comfortable best of the rest easy drive from Fernando. Like, I think maybe Lando might have overtook him though had he not had the puncture. It would have been close. Maybe, yeah, because I, I know at one stage of the race, like Fernando, that gap between him and Lando, I think was sitting at like eight seconds and I think that was growing. I mean, I mean, Fernando, credit to the Alpine as well because obviously you got Ocon fifth yeah. and that package clearly worked very well on that track, but... Defending like a lion, I Fernan might add. Fernan <laughs> Fernando absolutely nailed it, didn't he? He, he? like It was a great quality, put himself, what, it was fifth in qualifying, wasn't he? Um, yeah. Obviously, then 
moved up to third. Um, yeah, great move at the start. Obviously, he, he clearly didn't see Max. I'm glad that didn't come together because that would have been a shame because you would have lost out on, you know, Max DNF probably. And oh. for that, that was so close. These fine margins we'll look back on. Um, but yeah, amazing move and just drove a really... Didn't he have a pit where he came out I'm sure he didn't he have a pit stop where he, he, he pitted and he came out just ahead of, of it was someone. very close. It was Daniel Ricardo, was it Dan and it was yeah. a very close battle. Yeah, because it, had he fallen behind Daniel Ricardo, you that know that would have been, been that wouldn't have been great because that McLaren was a quick car. Like it had pace. Obviously, mm. they didn't have a great weekend. But what do you think about the fact that it has been? I mean, this was this was a big occasion because the first podium in seven years. I mean, yeah. there are so many crazy stats that have come out. I mean, right, the, the, the craziest one to me is that the last time he was on the podium, Lewis Hamilton was a one-time world champion one like that that just doesn't seem real last time it was a podium you weren't even born mate. he's got a point he's got a point to be fair <laughs> he was he was retiring around then so i don't know what he's talking about but it has been such hungry 2014 like what, what do you think about you know the seven year wait look I, I think fernando has always been able to extract at the ceiling of every car he's driven where whether he drove that you know ferrari that he won the two world title sorry the Renault that he won the two world titles with, the Ferrari that he almost won 2012 with, came very close in a car that, you know, wasn't as good as the Red Bull. I think that's, we can all agree on that. Um, even in the McLaren, he was able to, you know, put that car in place. I mean, when he got taken out at Singapore. Um, 2017. After, yeah, I mean, that was, that was you know, he, he was on for a, if he'd have avoided that accident, that would have been an amazing result in that McLaren, which again was not a car, like that car was not at the level in that year. Um, so Fernando's always been able to extract like the top of his car and, you know, coming into this year, you know, he's had two years out, 40 years of age, you know, can he get back to those levels? I was very skeptical. I didn't think he'd be able to get to, but I'll tell you what, like the way he's driving at the minute, and there's a lot of talk of like if Alpine can nail the regulations for next year, because you know, he wants to be fighting at the top and he's proven it like this year. He has still got, you know, I'd say, for example, Kimi Raikkonen, very quick in race, but is liable to these kind of mistakes. Yeah. Um, where he just, you know, I know it's lack of concentration or whatever, but Fernando still seems to be on like a more than F1 worthy level, 100%. And Absolutely. Yes, okay, maybe, you know, you can talk about his career where, where he missed out on seats that, you know, miss, missed out on having the best car, you know, post that Renault. Um, you know, he went left to McLaren, went back to Renault, it wasn't a great car. And it was, you know, you, you can talk he's about... He's been around, yeah. There's yeah, he, been a few questionable decisions. He's, he's been around, and, but I, I think in terms of his actual driving performance, it's, you can't question it. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like, I mean, he's he's really... He, I mean, he's had such a great season in terms of like the first few races, they were a little bit rough, but I completely forgot actually he was off the back of a jaw surgery when he had that bike crash in February. So there was a lot of things that clearly were happening in the first like five races, but... It's that consistency. And he's been talking up a lot in terms of next year. Like this was yeah, clearly yeah. a bit of a just integration year. Get into the team, see where they are. Obviously the build up for 2022. So what do you think is possible for Alpine with their driver lineup as well? And uh, Oscar Piastri now obviously coming in as a reserve, reserve driver. Yeah, yeah, good lad Oscar. I mean, yeah, I, I think Fernando, you know, he you can tell he's really happy at that Instone team. That's the team yeah. that won his two world titles in. I think he himself, he, he fell out of love in 2018 out of Formula 1. He needed that time out. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, he, he went to Indy. He did like, he did a lot of different things. He didn't, you know, he did, he did some work, didn't he? He won, won at Le Mans. Like he's, you know, he, you can tell he's there. I, I feel like he's working. He wants, you know, to be able to fight next year, of course. But also I think you can tell he's working. He knows that he's not going to be in F1 for a, a lot longer. He wants to leave that team in a better place than when he started. Yeah. You know, you've got Oscar Piastri, you know, there. Maybe Fernando, you know, it depends on what where the car is next year. Who who knows, ultimately. The Alpine, like every team, have talked up their chances for 2022. Yeah, every single team is going to be world championship, like capable yeah, next year, apparently. definitely. But I mean, like Ocon long-term, you know, Fernando, whether he just does one more year, near, year next year and then Piastri maybe takes a seat because obviously Ocon's tied um, long-term to that team. I don't know. What do you think? Where, where do you think the Alpines... Because they've got, like, that's a good driver lineup, I think, Ocon. It's a very good driver. Yeah, I think we were actually surprised. I think it's almost turned out better than I thought it was going to be, to mm. be honest. Like, Ocon, oh, is, too. Yeah, yeah. Ocon is operating at a really nice level. I feel like he's back to his best mm. where he was in 2018. He's really maximizing what he's got. And then Fernando is Fernando. But 
I just have doubts about that team because how many times have we seen with Renault, and it's still the same team just because it's a different name, it's you know the same people, but how many times have we seen it being a false storm because it was a great season in 2018, then it goes to a bad season when they have Daniel Ricciardo in 2019, then it goes back up in 2020, you know, they're scoring uh, podiums with both of their drivers, and then they kind of fell off quite a bit this year as well. So it's just up and down with that team and there's a lack of consistency. And to me, that kind of, I don't have a lot of trust in that team, but I just know that, you know, I have trust in Fernando that if he is given the car, I mean, we've seen what he can do. Yeah, and, and I think having, you know, having that driver, that presence of Fernando Alonso, who's won the two world titles, a lot of the personnel and Stone are the same personnel who were there back in 2005 and 2006. Um, you got to remember that team goes way back to, you know, Benetton when Michael Schumacher won his first two world titles as well. Like they, they have the facility, they have the experience to succeed. Um, it's just, it's, it's ultimately they might nail the regulations next year, but then Ferrari might nail them even better. Williams might nail them even better. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, yeah. it's such a toss up, but in terms of driver lineup, I think, you know, you've them two, are, I think the closest in qualifying in terms of average gap. Between I think them. it's something like, I saw a stat. I'm not sure if it's true. It's like 1100 hundredths or something like across the entire season. It's mad. It's ridiculous. And that's how what close you want. They are. Yeah, and that's yeah. what you want. And that's why I feel quite positive about Ferrari next year as well, because you've got science and Leclerc both operating at a very, very good level. Um, whereas, for example, you know, sorry, producer Matt, but obviously Lando and, and Daniel over the course of the year, that qualifying gap has been quite substantial. Hopefully, Daniel, I feel like Daniel is making moves towards that, but that puts Alpine in a really strong place, I think, for, for next year. Now, what I also kind of wanted to touch on is now, obviously, two races to go. This was a big win for Lewis, but Max did, you know, he got it back up into P2. So what, what, did, you, what did you think of this race in terms of like the Max and Lewis side? Because... This title is going right down, like it's going to go down to the wire, no doubt. But mm. Lewis, he needed to win this. I feel like every single race now is almost a must win. Toto talked about it in terms of like the, you know, they awoke the lion like in Brazil. I thought Max was the lion, wasn't he? I don't Isn't know, that his thing on his helmet? Is that maybe? Uh, yeah, it is. But that's what I'm saying. Like in terms of both of them seem to be like the lions at the moment. Who's who's actually chasing? Just who's actually the get, hunt? Get your own animal. Come on, like, yeah. come on. <laughs> Have some originality, Toto. God's sake. <laughs> no, I think yeah. I mean, Lewis has been, you know. He just he's he's had two pretty much perfect weekends, um, which is exactly what he needs at this part of the season. I think you know we've got we've got used over the years to Lewis just kind of you know walking these titles. I mean, when whenever you look back, it's you know you, you look at the challenge that Ferrari put up, especially in twenty eighteen. Um, you know that did fall away towards the end, but I think when Lewis um, when he he feels like things are against him, I think that's that brings out another level in him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, two perfect weekends for Lewis, but then two, like in terms of the best Max could do, I think Max has done the best that he could do to limit the damage, eight points between them. I don't know. I, I, I feel like it was, you know, all in all, I think all parties can, can feel quite, quite positive coming out of both Brazil and Qatar, but. What do you think? I mean, I think getting to the end of the season, I mean, again, you told, like you said, even in Mexico, Lewis maximized it there and it's kind of, they're getting the absolute best. And these two drivers, mm. what I was surprised at was the gap. I mean, they were in a completely different, like they were in a different universe <laughs> compared to the rest of the grid. Yeah. I mean, Lewis, I think Max pitted obviously at the end to get the fastest lap, but both of them would have finished like over 24 seconds over the rest of the field. Mm. Like they're operating at such a high level, both of them, whether they have the fastest car that weekend or not. And it's just, I've, I'm just happy that when we do get to the end of the season, I'm not, there's going to be no excuses in terms of Lewis did not have the car or Max did not have the car. They have yeah. both had a good enough car to win this championship. And it just comes down to those details, just finishing maybe second or third on this, on this weekend. And the yeah, fact that yeah, they're yeah. operating at such a high level is just, it, it keeps stunning me. Like how did Max get back up to P2 and then gap the rest of the field? And then Lewis just dominated it. Just, yeah. They keep stunning me every single weekend. Yeah, because I mean, I, I think actually it was like, I'm sure it was like 52 seconds between like Max and, and Sergio. And obviously Sergio had an extra pit stop, had to come through the field. Um, so that accounts for a lot of that gap. But also like them two, yeah, like you say, they were, they were just on, a, on, a, on another level like this weekend. And, you know, I mean, it's the right two drivers that are fighting yeah. for the championship. I was I was thinking about this actually. The last time we had two two title protagonists from different teams and it was just two of them fighting to the end was 2012 Alonso Vettel um because yeah, Mark Webber I mean his kind of title challenge kind of really it, it peered away quite quickly yeah. but yeah that was definitely 2012 when you, I but, think. but when, I'm saying just two drivers properly fighting for it because you know Fernando and Seb were clear in 2012 
Um, and yeah, we haven't obviously yes Rosberg and Hamilton in 2016, but they were in the same team. So I think there's a, you've you've both got the you know when there's two teammates fighting against each other for a it's title, it's different. Yeah, it's different because you've got the whole all this you know shenanigans with Horner and, and Wolf and you know Horner getting told off by the FIA. Oh, that's brilliant for running <laughs> his mouth basically. Um, which you know that I, you know what I mean. Like it obviously it's like oh, but at the same time it's like. It adds a different dynamic, yeah. doesn't it? Because it's not just two drivers in the same team and we kind of, we don't get any of the extra bits because, you know, when it was just Nico and Lewis, they were kind of, Mercedes were keeping it as quiet as possible in terms of some of the friction behind the scenes. Whilst here, like, it's on full display. Between they were Lewis keeping their mouths shut as much as they could in 2016. Exactly. I mean, on here, it's like on full display. Like, you can see what both Lewis and Max are saying about each other. You can hear, or yeah, you can hear what um, Christian Horner and Toto Wolff are saying about mm. each other. I mean, even the teams are just protest this, protest that. It's just a different dynamic when it comes to yeah. two different teams fighting. Exactly. And when it's so close as well. Because you've got, yeah, the whole, it's the whole technical battle as well. Because, yeah. you know, it's easy to forget that this is, it's a team sport. That's what makes Formula One, Formula One. It's not just, it's not a spec series where everyone's got the same car there is a team component to it and does a driver have an impact on the team of course you look at Schumacher when he joined Ferrari um and took them from not winning a title in 21 years to five in a row like he had a significant massive impact if you've seen the Schumacher document documentary they talk all about it um, and I think Lewis has had a very similar impact on that Mercedes and um, maintaining those standards because it's one yeah. thing to win one or you know once or twice, but of course to maintain it. I mean, it takes a strong drive, mm. a strong leadership, strong funding, and it's just amazing that it's come down to Red Bull and Mercedes now. And, and I'm not surprised that you can't blame the teams for trying to you know find any because it is coming down to the wire. Like if if you ask me, Lewis is probably going to win in Saudi, Max is probably going to finish P2, and then there's going to be like one or two points between them. It could come down to a fastest lap. It, it could. really could come exactly. down to a fastest lap. Imagine that. Before we move over to the head-to-heads, I do actually quickly want to talk about the punctures and the and the kind yes. of tyre situation as well, because we had both of the Williams, both uh, Nicholas Latifi and obviously George Russell. Lando had a slow puncture, and then obviously Valtteri as well. How did you... I mean, what did you think? Do you think it was kind of down to the teams in terms of... Because that's what I think. I think the teams were just... It's kind of like they were complaining, but Pirelli said a one-stop is way too risky. The tyres can probably do about, you know, 30 laps mm. and all of them on the one-stop are going to have to do more than 30 laps on the hard tyres. So for me, it's kind of like, I don't know. I think Lando was really critical at, uh, at Pirelli after the race and I'm just like, I mean, that, that's the risk you take. And also we've never been to this track. So everything that Pirelli basically told the teams is from simulations. Like mm -hmm. you have to learn on the job. Mm -hmm. And I mean, yeah. I mean, what did you think of that? I completely agree. I think you know, if, if if you if you buy a you know a ready meal and it says cook for thirty minutes and you stick it on for sixty, don't complain that it's overcooked. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry. Oh, like, like, like they, that. That's what that's what they said. Thirty laps, and they they put more than thirty laps on the tires. Why is everyone laughing? Good analogy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, they put more than thirty laps on the tires. What what do you expect? Like uh, yeah. they're, they're rubber filled with air, Like they're not going to last forever. Like there's, there's got to be a line and all, all the teams. And we saw how aggressive the curbs were. You saw what yeah. happened to Gasly in qualifying where it ripped off his front wing because he went a bit wide. Like you've got however many laps it was. You're going round and round and round on these curbs, high speed corners throughout as well. Again, this is bike racing circuit. Like, uh, of course they're gonna you know they're gonna fail if, if you push them too far so now nah, i you know i mean i've been critical of pirelli in the past i think around like in baku azerbaijan like the way the tires just failed out of nowhere like and the teams had no warning and it wasn't like beyond the window that they'd recommended i think they did learn from that and they said you know you saw before the race on the amazon graphic they were like predicted two stop and the the two strategies were both two stops yes the one stop was quicker but it was also riskier I'm sorry, that's just like, that, that. that's the risk you take and it didn't pay off for, for Williams, it didn't pay off for, for McLaren in the end, um, didn't pay off for Valtteri either, but other teams made it work. That's just part of sport, you know what I mean? There's yeah, I'm th I don't think that this was a, well, I don't think this was a Baku 2021 situation or Silverstone 2020 when right at the end of the race, obviously Lewis finished the race on like three uh, three wheels or something. So I, yeah, it's definitely not that situation. Just to play devil's advocate a little bit, I'm also... The one thing I will say that I'm not a fan of the tyres is that they didn't drop off to the point where they had like no pace and that the drivers were driving around like five seconds off the pace. 
Like, mm. if the tire is good enough to be able to make a one-stop work and then it fails another lap, that I do... I get that kind of frustration because a tire should fail when literally a driver is, like, almost being ridiculous, like, driving five seconds a lap slower. Yeah, yeah. Like, there was still pace in those tires to do a one-stop and then they fail. Yeah. So I understand a little bit of the I, frustration. I, I guess it's one of them where, like you say, we, we, we'd never raced there before. They didn't... They only had simulation data. And so Pirelli are you know, rightfully going to err on the side of caution when it comes to making a suggestion and say, you know, we know these curbs are pretty nasty. You've seen it yourself in practice. You've seen it yourself in qualifying that these curbs are really nasty. Everyone kept talking about how this track's a car breaker. Um, if you're going to run a one stop on a track that's a car breaker, then you're opening yourself up to that potential. And that's exactly what happened for a few, not all drivers. You know, if the VS VSC hadn't come, I mean... Imagine if Fernando's tyre had gone at the end. Because I know Sergio closed up loads at the end, but at the end of the day, Fernando was rightfully running nowhere near those <laughs> curves because Alpine were, I can imagine, there was some squeaky bums um, in Endstone when he was going around at the end. I can definitely attest to that. I mean, yes. I was watching the gap. Oh, I couldn't take it. I, I couldn't take it. But it gave us the exciting finish to the race that we wanted it and it kind of spiced it up just a little bit. So let's go to the head-to-heads. Uh, Mercedes, what are you saying? I mean, it's Lewis, isn't it? got to be Lewis. Yeah, I mean, not even really a talking point there, to be honest. But yeah, a simple one. I feel like it's it's not been Valtteri enough, actually. that's I think that, that's been the biggest problem in terms of like, yes, Lewis is the title contender, but you still need... I'm not saying Valtteri would have been in the conversation if he finished on the podium from mm. P5, but it's still not good enough. This race for me was like a perfect summary of Valtteri Bottas' time at Mercedes. You know, when he did... When he was settled into the car... When he did start making, you know, move through the field, past roll, past science, you know, got a bit of clean air. His pace was very good. There's been no, he's got, he's got it in his locker, but the bad start, you know, falling back, yeah. like that got in the way ultimately. And it wasn't, you know, it, it's all well and good having that part of the race. Very good. That part of your career at Mercedes, very good, but the lack of consistency over the course of his tenure. And this was one of them races where it just didn't, pay off for him unfortunately like i, I like that he seems like I love yeah the it's, i mean it's been the story of his mercedes but, career but it is how it is and it, it was just a great drive from i don't lewis didn't really put a foot wrong smashed it in quality and just just dominated the race like exactly. what did kind he of do the, almost like for the first time we, we haven't really seen too much of this like lights to flag absolutely almost no competition because he's just on another level mm. we haven't really seen this lewis hamilton but yeah for sure uh lewis on that one in terms of red bull i mean again it has to go to max uh checo again we talked about not the strongest weekend for him but he made up for it in the race, but if he was up there in, in qualifying, then maybe yeah. there could have been something more on the table. Yeah, exactly. You look at the race in isolation, Perez drove really well. Like, it, it isn't... Yes, that Red Bull is a quicker car than most of the other cars on, on the circuit, but it's still he's still got to get it through. He's still got to get yep. these moves done. And I thought all his moves were, were really smart. Yes, they were all into turn one, but that's just the track. That was that was the most obvious yeah, overtaking part. And um, yeah, if you just look at the race in isolation, I think they him and Max had probably equally good weekend. It was really impressive how Max got up so quickly. Also impressive how, but you can't be getting, that's that. I said it, that's an Alex album move. Yeah. Knocked out in, in Q2. Like, and that just made his job a lot more difficult. Yes. He got to start on the mediums, which did help, but you know, Rebel needed him to be up there. He got up there in the end, but also probably would have finished behind Bottas if he hadn't have had his tire fail. I think. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I mean, it's got, again, it's got to be Max because course, definitely. I just have this trust with Max. Even when he's starting down, like further down of the grid, I always yeah. have this like automatic, of course he's going to go up. It's Max Verstappen. Of course he's going to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. And the way he's been like, he's just robotic at the moment. Like he just, he's banging out results or at least even if it's, even if the win's not quite there, he's still second all the time. And I think it is now that there, there was like, you know, stats that I think I've mentioned actually previously that in any race where he's not had any damage or, you know, not had a DNF or even like Hungary where he had, you know, coming together with a Bottas, he's finished first and second in every single race. Yeah, hasn't he got, he's not got a single P3 this year, right? He's not, yeah, he's not had a single P3. He's, I mean, it's just ridiculous, his consistency. He's been so good. Mental. Uh, let's move over to, actually, let's go Ferrari because it was a bit of a, it wasn't quite that explosive weekend that we've kind of been seeing over the past few races. It kind of wasn't... Charles Leclerc a little bit off. That He had some uh, car issues. They replaced, I think it was the uh, the chassis. Yeah. And then he kind of found a bit of pace back, but... Yeah, Charles was so confused in yeah. qualifying, wasn't he? I felt sorry for him. He was like, <laughs> to be fair, there was, something was wrong there. Like, he was yeah, not yeah, yeah. like a second away from science and just going, I don't know what's going on here. Like, yeah. I, I kind of felt sorry for him, yeah. Yeah, no, I, look, I, I, I had a feeling going into this weekend. I, I said in, in, when I did my pre-race that I thought... 
Ferrari were going to be like L of the weekend because I, I you know, at high, at high wear tracks, they seem to struggle a bit more. You know, they didn't have a very good weekend in France and, you know, that's a lot of higher speed cornering that puts a lot of, you know, a lot of pressure on that front right, front left tyre. Um, yeah, qualifying, you know, Carlos Sainz squeaked through on, on his mediums, which was credit, credit, credit. Very impressive, credit. yeah. You know, Leclerc, yeah, went out in Q2. Uh, in the race, obviously, yeah, Leclerc actually had a much better race. Did he have a chassis change? He did, yeah. He they did changed have a chassis, it, yeah. But he didn't have to start from the back. I don't think he started right from the back, but something, yeah. Yeah, he's, but but ultimately, they, they they finished both in the points together. Um, and still gain points over McLaren. I yes. mean, that's, that's, that's the key, ultimately. Even if it's not a great weekend, exactly. it's one of those, even if both of the drivers, you know, they're not up in like P4, P5, mm. P6, to outscore McLaren has got to be like their number one goal. Yeah, because Ferrari have set set very high standards over this last kind of few weekends. And this wasn't an amazing race, but again, both cars in the points. Um, in terms of who I'd give it to, oh, it's difficult because obviously Charles did have a problem with his car. Um, I would probably actually give it to Leclerc because he had a problem with his car, which you can't really blame him for. So he went out in Q2. So he had to start on softs because I'm pretty sure he started on softs because um, he put on softs to desperately try and get out of Q2. So And Science finished quite a way up the road on mediums and Leclerc still managed to close that gap and finish right behind Science. So I'm going to give it to Leclerc. I'm not quite sitting on the fence as much as you, to be honest. I'm going to go with Science for this one. But again, we talk about it because it is so close. It's it's a positive for Ferrari. So it's it's a good thing in the have. end. Uh, maybe not as close was McLaren. It was another kind of a little bit off weekend for Daniel Ricciardo. Lando really unlucky with that slow puncture. Could have been a, a big result. Lando yeah. was on for, a, I think, a P4 potentially. Yeah, look, I mean, it's, it's definitely Lando had the better weekend. He was running really well. He might have finished maybe fifth, probably, if, yeah. if it wasn't for, you know, he might have got caught by a you know, by a slash Perez. It's difficult to know how the race would have played out. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it, it was unfortunate. You know, he had the he had the puncture at the perfect time though, because he comes straight into the pits. <laughs> Didn't really lose too much pace, but obviously fell back because of the pit stop. Still finished P nine in the end. Um, Daniel, to be fair, Daniel did have a problem. He was having to fuel, fuel issue, save yeah. like the whole race. I don't know how much that performance that was worth though. Um, Not good enough in qualifying though. Do you no. know, like I mentioned with Perez in terms of like Perez qualified badly, but he kind of made up for it in the mm -hmm. race. It was, I do understand that fuel issue, but qualifying, I think. Yeah, th better. there's too much like, we, we've got to give it to, to Lando. I mean, who knows how much of a problem. I think that was a very, very, <laughs> very, very, very long Qatar Grand Prix for, for Daniel Ricciardo. Um, yeah, I think he was kind of glad when it was over. Still yeah. smiling as always. Of course, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is Lando, isn't it? Another good... You know what, I mean, I know some people said, oh, you know, Lando's performances seem to have fallen off, but I don't think they have really. I think there's been there's been a lot of factors involved, I think, where Ferrari have got their new hybrid unit in the engine. They've, their performance has jumped up a little bit. I think where you've got Alpha Tauri and Alpine really fighting now for that P5 as well. You know, this Alpine weekend came out of nowhere and you've had Gasly really pushing hard as well. And... Yeah, I mean, I, I think Lando still had a fantastic season overall and, you know, still got points, but it's been, what, over the week before last, McLaren scored one point overall. Last week, they scored one point and this week they scored two points. Four points over three weekends. Was it four points? Maybe four points, but not many points, basically. A lot less than Ferrari, ultimately. It's not been a great end and I feel like it, no. the momentum, and I've talked about it, it's swinging with Ferrari to kind of grab that P3 but, you know, Ricardo having a bad kind of a bad start in Mexico when he was ahead, then Lando having a bad start mm. against Carlos Sainz in Brazil, yeah. then Ferrari, this race. No. Yeah, the momentum's kind of shifting, but yeah, they, I think they're kind of just looking to get to the end of the season and maybe have an outside chance in Abu Dhabi mm. to kind of uh, clinch that P3. But next up, um, Alpine. I mean, I think even though it was definitely Fernando Alonso, mm. really good team performance because that P5 cannot be underestimated by yeah. Esteban Ocon. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, Fernando absolutely smashed it in quality. Ocon was, I think... Eight, ninth, maybe in quality, I think he, he. But into Q3, which is always in, good. In, into Q3, yeah. I mean, Fernando's definitely, you know, I think it's uh, eleven at nine in Q1, Q2, Q3 Close. to uh, to, Fernand to Fernando. And yeah, in terms of race performance, I mean, Ocon still finished fifth. Um, yes, he had a fast charge in Stroll and a couple of Ferraris behind him, but he, you know, he did what he needed to do to keep Perez behind for a little bit longer. To, you know, he probably held him up by a couple of seconds. Um, and yeah, I just think that Alpine package clearly worked really well at Qatar. 
Um, but I don't think they even knew why. I mean, there was a lot of talk yeah. after the race that they don't actually know why their car works so well around here. That's not really that good because you want to understand True. why you're quicker on certain tracks. True. But, so um, it's, it's a strange one. Yeah, credit to Esteban, but it has to be Fernando. In terms of Alpha Tauri, because they're, they're next, because I'm a little bit frustrated with them because they had a mm. really good qualifying yet again. Yeah. And I want to get your thoughts on this because I've been seeing a lot of this online and I don't really believe it to be honest, but a lot of people started calling Gasly a bit of a qualifying merchant in terms of, and I've heard that word a lot as a George Russell fan, but do you think there's anything in that in the sense that he's qualifying so well all the time, but he isn't up there in qualifying. terms of the championship? Qualifying merchant? No, I'm not joking. I've seen people talk about this all the time now in terms of like he's qualifying amazingly. But when you look at his quali average qualifying position to his average actual finishing position, there is quite a big discrepancy. No, no, like not at all. Because again, you can you, look again, a, a car, a car in race trim and quality trim is a different beast. But also the amount of times he has qualified, you know, Zanville when he qualified He's fourth and finished fourth. He stayed ahead of the Ferraris. You know, he's kept the Ferraris behind him a few times this year. Um, no, not so. I mean, he, him and Yuki both fell down relative pretty similarly because they both I don't got actually to know what happened to Yuki, to be honest. Yeah, like, Yuki finished just, 13th. Uh, Pierre finished 11th. He had a 11th. Yuki Sonoda weekend, really. Yeah, but uh, again, I, I think, you know, after the, like, Pierre just had no, he was just like, he was pushing the whole race and just couldn't put a good lap time in. Um, the Alpines were, were much quicker than the Alpha Tauris on this track quite clearly because both drivers fell relative because you, you, you know, Yuki had a pretty good quality. You know, got into Q3, be quite happy with that. And then, yeah, they just both just didn't have any pace. I don't know. I, they, they don't know. So, I mean, am I supposed to know? I I, again, I don't agree with it, but I just wanted to get your thoughts because it is kind of a bit of a, you know, to play devil's advocate is a bit of a strange kind of thing, but yeah, Pierre Gasly kind of like, it was just wasn't a great race really was. I do think it's ironic though, that his yellow flag is the reason why he started on the front row. Yeah. I mean, the irony of all ironies. It is. It's and kind what did of you like, think, actually, of that team order as well? I mean, what was your what was your thoughts about uh, the whole we're yes. not racing Max and the way he moved over? Was it a mistake? <laughs> was it not? I mean... No, of course it wasn't a mistake. Come <laughs> on. He ran wide and opened his DRS late. Of course. No, of course. But, but look... I have I, not seen a, any driver all weekend go wide there, except for maybe Charles Leclerc a little bit on the curb way later on in the corner, but not there specifically. And, so. look, and I, know, I know some people are upset, you know, about it. But ultimately, like there's like as long as there are relationships between teams, whether it's an Alpha Tari Red Bull relationship where they own the team or whether it's a, you know, engine. I mean, what well, I know a lot of people were referencing, I think in twenty eighteen Mercedes told Ocon in the Force India to like yeah. move over. And it was like look, you just got like this is the same reason that they don't enforce the whole like team orders aren't allowed rule anymore yeah. because you can't like, it's an impossible thing. And I know it's not ideal. It's not as pure as we'd like it to be, but well, until you've got an F1 where every single team is a complete separate entity with its own engine, with no relationship to any other team in any way, shape or form, that's just part of it. And I'm not surprised. And also like, again, you look at how quick Verstappen was like Gasly holding him up. It wasn't his fight. Even Fernando didn't even bother putting up a defense against Max pushed him a little bit though. It got a bit close. To be fair, when Max tried to try to come through, yeah, yeah. I mean, but he, but but he wasn't not much agreeing here. He wasn't going to like when Max actually <laughs> no, got I past, it mean, was down yeah. the straight, wasn't it? And it was like comfortable. So it's just like I think like, the only thing that yeah. I didn't like is that Max was always going to come through as if like as if Pierre Gasly was going to hold up Max Verstappen and like finish her in P2 well, or something. But I mean, hell, Marco was in his ear before, and wasn't he? It was just. I mean, so, we know it's a conspiracy. We know it. But it's just the way it happened. Like, just let Max buy on the straight or something. Not you know, go wide and like dirty your tires or something. So it's just, just the way it happened. More than anything else, I, I don't actually care that it did happen because again, you're right. No team is, especially lower down, they're not autonomous in the sense that they have these connections with other teams. They have these like mm -hmm. links and relationships. So of course we're going to see things like that. So yeah, it's just the way it happened that I'm a little bit like. Did it really like have to happen like that? But yeah, that's it. Yeah, whatever. But yeah, I think Gasly still had the better weekend. Great qualifying, finished ahead of Sonoda. Now, yeah. someone who definitely did have easily their best race of the season is Lance Stroll for Aston Martin. I mean, Sir Lance, he, he really did. Yeah, Hayden's already, there he is. Hayden yeah. goes wild. Exactly. What a race, by the way. I mean, Lance Stroll, what is the best race? Fernando Alonso on the podium. Yeah. Perfect. No, like Lance, he, super under the radar. Pretty much all race. Made the um, one-stop work as well. Made the one-stop work. Stayed ahead of the Ferraris. Almost caught Esteban at the end. Um, it was very close. I'm 
I was so annoyed with race direction that they didn't show. Yeah. Because like the between like between the three, like between um Ocon, Stroll and Science, it was like one and a half seconds in the end, like coming up to the finish line. We didn't see it. Um all the attention was on Fernando Alonso, of course. Or, of course, of course. Fair enough. Um but yeah, uh, great drive from Stroll. It's one of them that, you know, on his day he can pull out a fantastic performance and it was just one of them that, you know, Aston obviously, you know, pitted right time, good strategy, no mistakes, drove a good race, and Lance can be very happy with that. Um, all too often this year, Seb has, even though Lance has got in the points more often than Seb, Seb has, you know, the ceiling of Seb's performance has been significantly higher. Um, and yeah, great drive from Stroll. And a good recovery from Seb, but he yeah. did mess up big time into that first corner. Yeah, it was not a great start by Seb. It's it's kind of strange because he had a good performance in terms of, I think it was P17 like at the end of the yeah, first lap. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. to bring it back to the, you know, to the points is, is good. But yeah, not a great start. There could have been even more points on the table. And I feel like Definitely. we haven't seen enough actually of double point finishes by both of the Aston Martins this mm. season. Like both of the drivers have not been, it seems like it's either one or the other. Like Lance Stroll has yes. a good race. Seb has a really good race. We haven't seen enough of all the entire team delivering. I mean, there's a reason that Aston Martin are quite considerably off the Alpine Alpha Tauri. Um, constructors fight and you know that's with Alpha Tauri where it's just Gasly pretty much getting all the points um, but yeah no it, it wasn't it was one of them yeah Stroll had the good weekend this weekend um, yeah good recovery drive from Seb but again yeah that, that first corner he just he he messed it up big time lost loads of positions um, just got the, the rear end just got wired because he was on the outside um, which also happens at Bottas they both kind of they both kind of lost traction at the same time. To be fair, a um, lot of drivers went wide. I mean, because yeah. they don't know how to judge it on full fuel into that first yeah, corner. Yeah, how exactly. how uh, late can you break? But yeah, either way, it was still a good weekend for the team, I think. Def yeah, all, all things considered, um, you know, good good points from Lance. And Seb also scoring Lance, three, uh, what was it, scoring points three times in the last four races as well. So a little bit of consistency there. Patient. Next up, Alfa Romeo. Now, I did not see too much of them, to be honest. I'm going to go with Kimi, but... And by the way, also, I love the fact that in that kind of battle for who's got the most overtakes all season, it's like Fernando, Seb, and then Kimi. I mean, the old yeah. dogs. Yeah, I mean, this is, what, the first race since Guan Yu Zhou's been announced for the Alfa Romeo yep. seat for next year. And Antonio finished behind Kimi. Qualified kind of, behind kind of Kimi. everything you need to know. Uh, yeah, I mean... I can't, we, we didn't see him. I didn't even see him. I don't know. You Sorry. tell us. Sorry, Alpha like, Did you even actually get robbed of a win? Was he like on the back of Lewis Hamilton and then something went wrong? We I don't need know. To, we need to get Alpha Cam for the for the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix so we can give him a proper analysis next time out. Exactly. <laughs> uh, next up, let's go with Williams because it, it seemed like a nothing race and then it turned into absolute chaos with both of their drivers. Kind yeah. Of, I think I think it was um, George Russell ahead of Latifi, but yes. other than that, that's it pretty much. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Russell, I'm pretty sure, was running ahead of Nicholas when his tyre went. Then Nicholas's tyre went. Nicky was super unlucky. Like, oh, his, yeah, his, yeah. as he was passing the pit entry, it just went into that final corner. We talked about, like, for Lando, it happened, like, near the pit entry. Like, he could actually react to mm. it and come into the pits as soon as possible. For Nicholas Latifi, like, he literally goes past the pits, goes past, he's in the final corner, and he goes wide and the tyre's gone. Yeah. Right uh, at the end of the lap. It's it's unfortunate for him. Um, To be honest, I, I don't know enough about their performance relative. Um, I don't think Williams were really that near this weekend. And, uh, I mean, maybe I'll give it to Russell because he out-qualified Latifi, but... I don't have much more to say. I'm sorry, Aldas. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm always up for giving George the W in. Yeah, I'm going to give it to George as well. Yeah. I mean, there's, when we're talking about picking between Alfa Romeo and the Williams drivers, like there's barely... You don't the, see it. You exactly. Because you don't see the cars. You just see the time differences. And then you have to like look in. And it's it's hard to differentiate when they're fighting at the back. Hopefully, again, from next year onwards, the whole field will be closer so that we can actually analyse battles between these lower yes. cars, especially Haas. I mean, you talked about it, time difference. I think in the end, was it over a minute between Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin? Now, Mazepin yes. did not have the cleanest weekend. Obviously, like, I think he had a damaged chassis, so he had to change. And he did not get a lot of running in either practice or... I think qualifying was kind nope. of his first prop, like, at anger, knowing what the car's going to be like. So, I mean, how do you judge that? Well, you, you could see, I, I think... Yeah, because didn't Mazepin, his front wing went a bit weird, didn't it, in qualifying? Yeah. And then it like dropped, it would drop, yeah. but it still stayed on. And then he ended up. I think, I think he ended up treating that race a bit more like just a, a, a testing session, um, like a Sunday drive. Which, I, I, to be honest, like I, I think that's probably the right thing to do, given given the pace discrepancy 
considering the lack of running he'd had on that track, he was never going to be at mixed level. He was never going to be, you know, competitive. Um, I mean, Russell <laughs> doesn't look good. Russell still finished ahead of him, even though he had a pop yeah. tire and that's pit for it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously Mick had, had had a much better weekend. It was a little bit close. I think right at the end of the race, though, just as Fernando Alonso was like, I think in the last two laps, True. Mick Schumacher coming back on the track. I don't know actually what happened there. That Did was he have very a... naughty. Yeah, that he, no, was... he just went wide. He just went wide and then just didn't look and almost took out Fernando. I so... mean, that would have been chaos. <sighs> that was... would not have gone down well. I'm surprised that wasn't even investigated, by the way. Like, I'm not, this is not yeah, nothing to do with Fernando Alonso, but just coming back on the track like that, there should be a bit more communication in terms of what cars are around you and coming back like that aggressively. Yeah, Schumacher just didn't didn't look. I mean, whether it was like in his blind spot, because obviously he was coming in at an angle and I don't know how wide the field of view of your mirrors is, but that's one where also like the race engineers kind of got to get in his ear about it as well. But um, yeah, that wasn't great from Mick. But other than that, he, he, he definitely had a better weekend than Nikita. So Mick it And is. that's it. We're Qatar. Done. I mean, at first, what, what did you think? Overall thoughts? First time at Qatar? First yeah. time at La Salle? Good, 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 good track. Um, the only thing is, yeah, it's a shame there's only one kind of one corner for overtaking. What I did like as well was the use of the kind of astroturf grass. Um, I think that's a good in-between because you're not chucking gravel onto the track but also it does punish a driver for going yeah. wide more and so than just I did. I, I quite like the fact that it was a car breaker. Like none of this, like, oh, over the white line, over the curb, where are we allowed? Yeah, like yeah. if you go over the curb, you're going to, you know, your, your front wing is going to snap yeah. off. They were literally like track limits is the end of the, the kind of claret and white curbs because the Qatar flag. And yeah, that's the track limit. Simple. If you go over that, you're done. And if you go over that, you're probably going to break your car like Gasly doing qualifying. So exactly. And now, obviously, heading into Saudi Arabia again, a brand new track that we've never, that's never been raced on full stop. Was it eight points between Lewis and Max? Yeah. I mean, it can't get any closer. But the amazing thing is now Max Verstappen can become the 2021 world champion in just two weeks time. Maybe. Like he, can, he can win it. Maybe next Talking Points episode, we will have a champion and Hayden will be crying in the corner. He will be fuming with he his Hamilton bias. Exactly. Um, but also, because I, I do expect Mercedes to win that race. You know, they... They're bringing save, back the Brazil, yeah, the Brazil power unit. Save their nice, juicy, spicy engine, as Toto called it, um, or spicy components. So maybe it's more than just the engine. Who knows? Oh, I'm sure Christian Horner won't be happy about that. Um, but Probably yeah, get no, called up to the stewards again. Exactly. No, it Saudi, but who knows? Like it's a new track. Like I know in the F1 game, like it looks, it's quick, and the margin for error seems pretty minimal. Like it, it only takes like a car in front of you to bin it. And that's your race over as well, like if you don't see him parking it. So. Exactly. I'm sure it's going to be absolute chaos, but In a good I way. can't wait. I In mean, we, the championship is coming down to the wire. And again, it might get wrapped up next time out. But anyway, that's it. That was the Qatar race review finished uh let us know what you thought about the race in the comments box below and if you did enjoy this video then don't forget to give it a like and i mean you've got to subscribe you've got to subscribe got to do it if not for me if not do, for it, do it for minton if not for live fast then for minton who's been sleeping on my lap good boy or for the alonso podium as well that true as well. thanks anyway we'll see you in the next one